0: celebrating female role models across our community live from MacRobertson Girls High School in Melbourne Australia you're listening to be like her live on Macrob live
1: welcome everyone live from MacRobertson Girls High School in Melbourne Australia you're listening to be like her live on Macrob live my name is Namatha and my co-hosts today are Cathy Joey Mai and Anna our special guest today is Dr. Bridget McPherson, Head of Wellbeing at Macrob. Um, hello,
0: um, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, so we've heard that you used to go to Macrob.
2: I did, yeah. yes. So do
0: you think the environment has changed since you've been here?
2: Uh, yes and no. Um, so I was the class of 1997, so it's been a little while Um I feel like some of the buildings and classrooms haven't changed at all, (laughs) (laughs) which I don't know if that's good or not. Um, Some parts of the environment have changed really dramatically, but other parts are um, so familiar that I often walk around the corridors and have kind of memories come back to me that I haven't thought about in a really long time, which is amazing. Um, I think the culture of the school has changed in some ways, but in other ways has remained the same in that it's been a space that has um, been a really empowering environment for students, probably forever, but certainly when I was here and it feels like it's the same now.
1: Um, sorry. Yeah. So during your time at Macrob, did you have any leadership positions or were you
2: part of any clubs? Um, I didn't have a leadership position, but I did a lot of activities. So um, I played a lot of sport. Um, I was captain of the cricket team. So I guess that's vaguely a leadership position. Um, I did a lot of debating and was in um, one of the top debating teams in year 12 and in the Adelaide exchange team as well, but it was when Adelaide came to us, so I didn't get to go to Adelaide, unfortunately. <laughs> um I played trumpet, so I was in concert band and stage band and various other brass ensemble things like that. Um so I did lots of co-curricular stuff all the time through my entire four years here, all the way to the end.
0: Mm. Um so what aspect of Mac Rub influenced you to come back here?
2: Oh that's a great question. Um so After I left university, I worked in the public mental health system um, as a psychologist, and then I moved across to be the head of counselling at an independent school in Melbourne, and I left that school with the intention of not really working in a school again. I felt like I wanted to... Um, work in a way where I could work across lots of different schools and kind of build prevention programs in a really broad way. And I had in my mind that the only school I would ever work in would be McRob. (laughs) Um, And it was just kind of like this magical experience that happened where Mr Crow actually got in contact with me and then Miss Pride and Miss Stout got in contact with me and it kind of evolved from there. Um, So it was effectively like a dream come true. Um, doing exactly the type of work I want to do in exactly the school that I want to be at.
1: Okay. Um, Why did you choose to be a counsellor in a school environment specifically?
2: Um, Because when I was working in mental health, in public mental health, you're basically working in... Uh, with young people with the most significant mental health issues in the state. Um, and so I worked in a psychiatric unit and I also worked in um, environments where young people come to stay when they have significant drug and alcohol issues. And I started to realise that the communities that surround young people have a really major impact on their mental health. And I thought the most important community, apart from a young person's family, is their school. So if we can get into schools and do really good prevention work with young people, then we're will hopefully see much fewer young people actually accessing mental health services that I used to work in. So I was like, let's get to the beginning of where these things start to happen and work in communities to create change um, that occurs over a really long lasting period.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. <laughs> As a selective, competitive selective school, do you think that actual students here differ from the students at any different school or are we pretty much the same? (laughs)
2: Um, There are absolutely similarities and differences. Um, I think the students here struggle with perfectionism and anxiety more than what I've seen at other schools. Um, They struggle with pressure. They struggle with demands that are placed on them and that they place on themselves. I'm sort of saying them while talking to you, but (laughs) the, the broader student cohort Um, I think this particular school is a really uniquely culturally diverse environment that is not matched at other schools either. So we're a real kind of melting pot of culture and influence and social factors that is unique to us. Um, So it, it brings this energy and excitement about it that is not necessarily present at all schools, but also these things that we really need to seriously think about. Um, in the way that we educate the students that come here because there are aspects of the culture here that are really unhelpful for students. Um, so that's what I'm here for. <laughs>
3: <laughs> on the topic of Macrob being a uh, different culturally to other schools, do you think the fact that this is a um, single-sex uh, female only school has an uh, influence on that at all? Or?
2: Yeah, I do. And I know that this is a really big kind of question for us at the moment because we um, are a single-sex school, but we also welcome and celebrate gender-diverse students as well. Mm. Um, But we have this really long-standing history where we were set up um, by somebody who wanted to educate young women and who wanted to provide young women with an opportunity that wasn't being given to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that strand of, um, I guess, <laughs> opposing patriarchy mm-hmm. and supporting women and gender diverse people to take their place in the world and to mm-hmm. experience success and contentment is what we still stand for and always have. And that's really special about us.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so going to an all girls school, was there anyone who you looked to?
2: Yeah. Um, I remember looking up to students here when I was young. Um, I know we recently inducted, you know, the um, the funny photos that we have in the corridor um, of the women that have been to McRobin oh, and now doing yeah, quite amazing yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, we inducted Anna Brown into that corridor and she was in year 12 when I was in a younger year level. And I remember her very clearly as being this really amazing person, um, amazing leader, incredibly inspiring. And, um, she's doing really incredibly important and, um, effective work for the LGBTIQ A community now. So she was someone that I still remember. Um, I do remember some of my teachers and then I kind of, I remember the only other kind of person that i remember is really vividly in my mind is a uh, another woman called alice garner who was a student here and she came and spoke at what was called speech night then but it's presentation night now um and she was an actor and really again impressive and helen garner who's now one of my favorite writers was her mum so mm-hmm. lots of but but i kind of remember just being surrounded by amazing women it was just sort of part of the experience of being here
3: On the topic of inspirational women, Um, of course, us as McGrubb students, we all know you for your achievements and such, but uh, (laughs) would you mind giving us a summary of some of the roles you have taken on in the years in the past? Oh,
2: sure. Yes. Um, So I obviously finished school here. I went on to university um, and studied a whole range of different things and eventually qualified to become a psychologist. Um, And after that, I worked at the Adolescent Psychiatric Unit at the Austin Hospital, and then worked in an outpatient team at the Austin as well. But as I mentioned before, kind of did some time in other organizations as part of my role there. So I worked at a um, drug and alcohol detox unit and a rehab unit for a period of time. Um, and then after that, what did I do? I went across and was head of counselling at Ivanhoe Girls Grammar. That was the school I mentioned before. Um, and then I finished up that role, went on maternity leave and opened my own private psychology clinic, which I still run now. So that's um, something that I do part-time with my role here and then started here.
0: So how do you like manage your time between work at the psychology <laughs> clinic and work here?
2: Wow. It's not easy. (laughs) Um, I also have a almost three year old, so, um, and my partner as well. So there's like a lot of demands on Mm -hmm. our time. Um, I think the way that I do it is by trying to kind of balance my priorities, um, according to what I think is of most value and of most importance in both my life and in the things that I want to contribute to the world. And Definitely one thing I grapple with, which I imagine is really common in this room and potentially to people listening, is um, wanting to do things really well and wanting to kind of be everything to everyone. Um, And I have worked really hard over a lot of years at um, trying to not do that all the time (laughs) um, and trying to kind of think about what's important and what's going to have impact rather than just kind of pleasing everyone for no real reason. Um, and that that's really guided my judgments, I suppose. But definitely having a child and wanting to really invest in that relationship has been a significant thing in helping me kind of adjust that framework a bit.
0: So about the thing that you said about um, people wanting to do things really well, do you mm. have any advice do you have? like?
2: Yes. Um, I think the the two things that I try to keep in mind are that – people never think about me or worry about me to the degree that I think they will Mm -mm. because I don't do that in regards to other people and people are never going to criticize me or critique me in the way that I worry that they will because again, I don't do that in regards to other people. Um, and the other, um, huge learning experience that i've had over the years is that when i do make mistakes and when i do fail at things those experiences actually make me better and stronger and wiser and better at my job particularly so i my kind of big piece of advice is to really embrace mistakes and embrace failure for the learning opportunities that those things provide
1: if you are lis- if you are tuning in you're listening to be like her live on macrob live live from Macrobits and Girls High School in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Namatha and my co-hosts today are Cathy, Joey, Mai and Anna. And our special guest today is Dr. Bridget McPherson. Um, So what advice do you have for any young person who is experiencing self-doubt in their lives?
2: Um, I guess similar to what I was just talking about, I think we... We as people worry about what other people are thinking way more than what other people actually are thinking. I think if you actually ask other people what they think about and what they worry about and what they think about you, you tend to find out that all of the things that they're thinking are way more positive, um, way more kind of respectful, I guess, than what we do to ourselves. And I think this is particularly an issue for young women Um, where we're kind of raised to be critical of ourselves and to feel that we need to please other people. Um, And that generally doesn't achieve a whole lot and it doesn't achieve a whole lot for us. So the advice that I give to people that are experiencing self-doubt is to um, really try and think about the way that you think about other people and apply those same rules to what other people are probably thinking about you.
1: Okay. So I'm assuming that... You've gone through some self-doubt issues when you were younger. Totally still.
2: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, What have you done to like overcome those issues?
2: I absolutely have not overcome those issues. (laughs) Um, Like it's way, it gets way easier as you get older, um, but I don't, think that I am free of self-doubt ever. Like I still experience moments of self-doubt. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that I think is really crucial, has been really crucial in my life, is that I have deliberately spent a lot of time with other women who I find inspiring and empowering. Um, So um, one of my kind of favourite writers, Clementine Ford, says you should find yourself a girl gang because when you have – people who are close to you and support you, then in your moments of self-doubt, you can rely on the people who give you the kind of empowerment and the feedback that you need in those little bits where you kind of fall in the rut a little bit. And that that's absolutely been crucial for me. So I've deliberately played sport in women's teams. I've bel- deliberately formed good friendships with other women. I've deliberately worked in spaces where lots of women work. All of those sorts of things have been very conscious and deliberate.
3: On the topic of sort of tips and tricks almost to developing yourself as a person and establishing a network of people that you can trust and such. Um, Do you have any examples of like values or strengths that, as well as being necessary for being a successful person in general, are like especially important for being a successful woman?
2: Yes. So values and tips for being a successful woman. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Being conscious of the value that you bring to the world and not downplaying that or negating that. So often I think to myself, what would a dude do in this situation? (laughs) Or um, if, you know, if I'm thinking about applying for a job, I kind of think if I was a man, would I apply for this? Probably. And so I do it. Or Mm. if I'm worrying about what people think about me, I'm like, well, would a man worry about this? Probably not. And so I try to shift my perspective because I think men are Um, nurtured to have this kind of confidence in themselves and to have a belief that they belong in the world. And women are nurtured to think that they take up, they shouldn't take up space. So the thing that I think young women need to do is take up more space, be louder, be contributing more, be asserting themselves more. This is exactly like the world will function better if young women place greater value on themselves and put themselves out into public space more.
1: Um, you mentioned that uh, men often have a lot more confidence in themselves. Uh, so in your field, have you ever been like held back, uh, say, because of your gender?
2: Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure in ways that I don't know and absolutely in ways that I do know. I, um, In particularly my kind of the last few years of my career, I've held leadership roles and um, had to have difficult conversations with people or had to create things that people find uncomfortable or challenging and I've absolutely had men go into very weird spaces of discomfort in response to that. Um, And I've definitely had moments and I could like literally tell you about experiences where I've been in situations like that and not said the thing that I wanted to say and then left and replayed the situation like 50,000 times with all of my amazing responses, but never had the opportunity to go back. Um, So I kind of take those things with me and hold them close and use all of those responses when the next opportunity comes.
0: Do you think those experiences uh, contributed to your self-doubt?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But I would also say that I have had amazing experiences with men as well. So I have in some circumstances been held back by men and in some circumstances been raised up by men and women, of course, but you're asking about men. Um, And I think that's probably – um, contributed – well, I think it's definitely contributed more than the holding back has. So when I interact with men or choose to have relationships with men, they're men who are feminists and they're men who value women and I require them to make that clear to me before they get my time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and certainly yeah. my respect.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you, before you said how you just gravitated towards women. Yeah. like mm, do you do that in your f- – Um, Later years during work too or?
2: Yeah, yeah, everything. I don't know that it was necessarily deliberate kind of early in my career. I don't think it really was, although I think kind of coming to this school just sort of made me think that way unconsciously without it necessarily being conscious or deliberate. Um, But no offence to (laughs) listeners, but I I wouldn't work in a boys' school, for example, like that's (laughs) that's, (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> not a space for me <laughs> oh, <okay>. yeah <laughs> and maybe you know in in years where boys schools are less patriarchal I, I might b- probably not still <laughs> but yeah. um, but yes I would if I was to work in schools it would only really be single sex girl schools mm. so yes I make those decisions quite a bit.
0: Um, so, since you said that you didn't want you wouldn't want to work in an all boys school, <laughs> so how would you make like an all boys
2: school like more uh, like a place that you would wanna work um by having girls there <laughs> <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> loads of them um I, this is, like these sorts of conversations are gonna get me in trouble I feel like. but oh. um to be honest with you, I think. The state of the world as it currently is, I think, and if we're're we're, we're having a very gender binary conversation here, so i'm kind of mm. really conscious of that, but I'm just going to go with that to make my point. I think girls do better in single sex girls schools and boys do better in co-ed schools that's mm, kind of that's really it's very generalized that comment, and I know that there are always individual differences, particularly mm. in education and you know and in all sorts of spaces, but I think a general rule is that patriarchy will be dismantled when men and women work together to dismantle it. So mm-hmm. in order to work in a boys school, it would have to have a really strong female presence there to, and it would have to have an openness to really thinking about um, constructing education in a way that doesn't create these kind of gender expectations and gender norms that, that we all face all the time.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, Also, who are some other great female role models that young males can try
2: to emulate? Young males? Oh, good question. Um, Wow, that's a hard one. (laughs) I think um, so Clementine Ford has written a great book called um, Boys Will Be Boys, which I would definitely encourage all men and young men to read. Um, It's very much about toxic masculinity and how patriarchy actually doesn't serve young men well at all because it doesn't. Young men are experiencing huge mental health issues and huge rates of um, deliberate self-harm and suicide and a lot of that I think is to do with patriarchy and masculinity. Um, That's a really good read. She speaks well but she also – in a lot of her kind of media and social media recommends other good people for young men to think about. She also, um, has recently done, a, like a show where she's got men together to speak about how they would want to communicate with their younger selves or something like that. I can't quite remember the details, but she's starting to kind of work in that space of manhood. Um, I think Steve Biddorf is a great psychologist who writes books particularly for parents, but he has different books on raising boys and raising girls, and they're really great also. Um, I I think if I was a young man wanting to find inspirational women in my life, I would probably look at the women right in front of me, including my family and my friends, and ask them what I needed to do. I don't think you need to find famous people. They're everywhere.
0: (laughs) well i know if i was a guy i would look after my mom absolutely absolutely yeah. <laughs> who wouldn't i don't know actually Hmm. let's see um, so you said before going back to it um saying how you wouldn't work in an all-boys school <laughs> i'm saying if the boys were let's say it was a really great school the boys acted exactly like i guess girls would would you take
2: the job Um. Not if I had to leave here. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good choice.
1: Good. (laughs) Um. I just wanted to ask, how was your uh, experience studying at Macrob?
2: It was amazing. It was absolutely life changing. Um. Without a shadow of a doubt. I actually, um, when I first started here, I did a seminar for the staff, and I talked to all of the teachers about my family and my life and the reason that my parents wanted me to come here. Um, Both of my parents finished school at year nine. They both had a parent pass away when they were teenagers and they both have lived their lives um, wishing that they had a better education. And they sent me here to achieve that and to make sure that I had everything that I needed, but not, you know, the, the school that I was at before, I was going to get a great ATAR. There was no doubt about that. Like I had the brain to do that. (laughs) That was always going to happen. They sent me here because they wanted me to experience life much more broadly. They wanted me to experience music and culture and debating and sport and all of the things that make life worth living. Um, So coming here gave me all of that and also um, provided me with absolute self-belief in my capacity to live well and contribute to the world. So I'm eternally grateful.
1: Um, this is something I've always wanted to ask a professional psychologist. Um, do you have any like fun tips or facts about psychology that you've come across?
2: Oh, wow. Um, gee, I don't know. <laughs> Not like I've literally never been asked that question. Um, I think the thing that I find most interesting about psychology, particularly working at this school is how things like anxiety impact on your brain and your body and how that tricks you into thinking things about yourself that are not true. So this is not exactly fun. It doesn't really answer your fun component of your question, but it's fascinating that when we feel anxious, our brain actually becomes paralyzed and we can't think clearly. And therefore we can't do the things that we are getting anxious about, like learning or performing at school or making friends. And so we start to think that that means we're kind of fundamentally flawed in those areas whereas in mm-hmm. actual fact it's just our brain mm-hmm. responding to fear which is amazing because as soon as you understand that you become free of yeah. it
1: yeah i can relate to that on a whole other level yeah um so for that kind of situation do you have any tips to like ease that kind of anxiety for everyone? yeah
2: well the the tips are always kind of There's always two levels. That the first way of managing anxiety is to manage it in the moment, and the second way is to manage the thing that causes the anxiety. But the thing in the moment is the easiest, but it's also often the most dramatic because that's the thing when you have anxiety. The part of your brain that's responsible for thinking is not easily accessed, so it doesn't work as well. And so you have all of this kind of adrenaline coursing through your body. So when people like me tell you things that sound very boring, like breathe deeply and (laughs) tense and relax your muscles. I know that when we say that, you're like, oh, that's so stupid. It's never going to work. It actually works perfectly because it directly targets the symptoms that are caused by the brain activation. So if you can calm your breathing down and you can calm your body down, then the fight flight response stops activating and the front part of your brain, which is where you do all your kind of higher order thinking, is accessible again. So you can start thinking again. So you can start learning or talking to your mates or studying or performing in an assessment or whatever. Um, So the best thing that you can do as kind of your first thing is just breathe deeply and slowly and relax your muscles.
1: Right. I'm very glad you said that. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Did you or um, any other person have doubts that you could achieve what you have?
2: Yes. Yeah, of course. I I still have doubts that I can achieve what I want to achieve. Um, like I feel like in my role here, I'm at the bottom of a massive mountain um, of things that we need to overcome to make sure that the students that come to this school are well and that their families support that. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to achieve that, but I'm pretty confident because I'm a bit cocky like that, <laughs> but it's going to take time. But, it, everything that I do, be it you know speaking at a conference or taking on a new job or um, you know convincing a whole group of teachers that they should run their classroom differently to what they've been doing for many years, all of those things are met with initial doubt. Um, but then I just kind of keep in my mind that what I'm doing, I know to be right and I know that it's the best thing. So I just have to keep doing it because who will?
0: Was there an event that led you to having a career in psychology or was it just something you always just did?
2: No, no, there wasn't a particular event. And I, I people ask me this a lot and I don't really know why I wanted to go down this path, but I definitely didn't for my whole life. It was definitely <laughs> something I decided on in around year 12. Um, uh-huh. And before that I wanted to do all sorts of other things like journalism and writing and stuff. <laughs> um, but once I kind of started doing it at uni, um, I was like – On the track and didn't look back.
1: Um, Was there a time in high school or uni where you found psychology a boring subject?
2: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Psychology at uni is really boring, especially the first Uh. like year or two. But what I did do, I mean, it's not Crazy boring, but it's definitely it has very boring elements. Um, but what I did do was I did a Bachelor of Arts, which meant I could do two psychology subjects and two other subjects every semester. So you, you end up getting really good variety and breadth, and that's that kind of kept things interesting. And it gets psychology gets way more interesting as you go further and further along in your time at uni. So it's worth persisting through the boring bits.
1: All right, <laughs> um, that's all we have time for today. Great. Um, Thank you to our guest, Bridget McPherson. It's been a great pleasure talking to you today. Thank you. Um, live from Brits and Girls High School in Melbourne, Australia, you have been listening to Be Like Her Live on Macrob Live. My name is Namatha and my co-hosts today are Kathy, Joey, Mai and Anna. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've found the information today useful. Until next time, have a great day. Celebrating female role models across our community live from Macrobits and Girls High School in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on Macrob Live.